Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Well, hey, we are in this mini-series. We're like halfway through. We've been learning about the responding to the birth of Christ. And I've been trying to take a little bit different uh, perspective on Christmas this year by considering how of each of the major characters responded to Jesus' birth. We started out with Joseph, and we talked about how to re- Joseph teaches us how to respond to devastating circumstances. And we spoke about rising and remaining. And I gave you an illustration of a, of a ball or a uh, a buoy pushed under by a, a tsunami-like wave and how it always rises up because of the air inside. And the same is true for us. Um, Non-Christians and Christians, they both experience those uh, tsunami-like circumstances in life where devastating things occur to us. And yet only the Christians, because of the presence of the living God, the God with us, Emmanuel, only Christians rise up out of those circumstances and out of those negative feelings and, and uh remain above. And then the last week, we got into looking at Mary and how Mary teaches us how to respond to the impossible. And I gave you a little phrase, and I, I, I truly meant it when I said it. I, I really hope you never forget that if we will, then what? God can. God can do it. If, it's not a matter if when you're facing an impossible situation, it's not so much that if can God do this? It, it looks impossible. But, it, it, but the real question is, is will we give it a try? Will we move forward with him? And so today I want to continue um, Mary's story and look at her supernatural response to an impossible proposal from God. Because uh, as we'll see uh, from her story, naturally when, when God uh, tears down our dreams, remember there's tears before cheers, when God tears down what we think is possible and introduces us to this impossible proposal, naturally we feel uh, some feelings uh, that uh, I'll explain in just a few moments. Um, if you have a pen, would you get that pen out? And if you have a, a, a copy of the bulletin notes, find a place in the margin to draw with me because I want to uh, uh, have you just draw this little uh, illustration. I'll help you remember what I'm talking about today. And also, if you're here this morning and, and you don't have a Bible of your own, we would love to bless you with a Bible. Um, we've got some Bibles over here. If you just slip a hand up real quick, one of our ushers or elders would be glad to get you one and just consider it a gift from Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you're here today. So if you have a pen, why don't you illustrate this with me today? And I'm going to share a, a couple stories with you and to kind of help this sink in. We start with this, Okay. Uh, we start with what we think is possible with our lives. It reminds me of, of my friend Debbie, and Debbie said I could use her name. Normally, I change names unless people give me approval, but Debbie is um, a friend from Michigan. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman of God, um, and she, when she was young, all she ever wanted to do was have a flower shop. She wanted to be a florist, okay? She loves flowers and gardening, and she's very good at it, and so she... Um, she talked to the Lord about it, and lo and behold, a woman in her town, Whitehall, Michigan, in her town, small little town, came to her and said, you know, I am, I'm lo- look, looking to retire, 
and uh, I, I heard that you were interested in becoming a florist, and I wondered if you'd be my apprentice, and, and I'll just, you know, sell this business to you after you get your feet underneath you. And so she, she thought, wow, this, this must be God. This, this is awesome. This is my dream come true. It's everything she thought was possible until she went to prayer. And as she went to prayer and started ask, actually talking and listening to God about it, God began to show her that this was not what he wanted her to do. And with that, her dream of becoming a florist crumbled. Everything that she thought was possible with her life just lay at her feet. And, and she had no idea what God wanted to do with her. But she was in that awkward stage, okay? She was here looking at what she thought was possible and then talking to God about it, everything fell at her feet. And she said no to this lady who uh, was retiring. And at that moment, Debbie had a choice. She could either go back and try to force things to happen. She could try to piece together uh, those broken dreams of being a florist and try to make it happen. Or she could go forward into the unknown and trust God to do something even greater with her life. Well, Debbie went forward. And she started to climb up this mountain, I'd call it, of, of impossible. This, she didn't really know where God was leading her, but she knew that God was going to do something great with her. And many years later, she looks back after doing so many of just a variety of amazing things for the Lord, uh, both in ministry and in her career and just in her community. She looks back. She tells me, Mike, I look back and I am so thankful I didn't force it. I'm so thankful I didn't try to make it my own way. Okay, I'm so thankful that I let God build for me an impossible life because now I'm, I'm looking back 40 years. She's, she's now in her probably mid-60s, and this was when she was in her mid-20s. Okay? She's looking back and just thinking of all the ways that God used her life through that time and how she's so thankful she let God build her life and, and not herself. And so she's, uh, she sent me some pictures. And Debbie has the most amazing garden I have ever seen. Flowers and just about every type of vegetable you can think of is, are in her garden thriving. And so in a different way, God gave her back her dream and yet so much more. I can relate to, to Debbie and I've shared uh, my pieces of my story before. But there have been times in, in my life um, where I've thought, you know what, God, this is, this is what I think is possible. This is the very best that I can imagine. This is the very best that I can hope for, the very best that I can pray for. And then when I ask God, God, just do something amazing in my life. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, just use me. Use me to do great things. And when you pray that prayer, be ready. Because when God does something great with somebody, like A.W. Tozer said, it is doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until he has hurt them deeply there's always tears before cheers. There's always this time when what we think is possible is just lays at our feet and there's this awkward time where God says, you want me to do something great with you? Well, here it is. Here it is. And we might not even see the full extent of it. Just like a, 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 
a 14er, like in a huge mountain. You, sometimes it's veiled in clouds and you can't see the end of it. But God says, start climbing. Start moving and trust me. And at that point, we have a choice. Just like Mary had a choice. Take a look at the scriptures with me today. And I want to show from her example. I want to contrast our natural response versus our supernatural response. Take a look in the scriptures with me today. Because I want God to do something amazing in my life, in your life, and in this church. But to have that become our reality, we are going to have to respond supernaturally. And by supernaturally, I don't mean we walk on water. By supernaturally, I don't mean we handle snakes or any silly stuff like that. See, whenever, whenever we overcome our natural response and follow something God's way, we are living supernaturally. We are living above the norm, okay? It's much more mundane than we, uh, we think. We think that living supernaturally means we walk on the water in our pool, okay? Or something silly like that. But that's, that's not the case at all. And so today I want to show you from Mary's example how we can respond supernaturally in this situation. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's, this is where we started last week. Let's quickly go through here and then we'll start into the second half of her story. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, reading from the New Living Translation, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, if you remember last week, I spoke about how Mary had her wedding plans out and the angel appears. And in one eye is filled with wonder at the majesty of this angel. And the other eye is just crying and weeping because she knows that what he is saying to her is like a living death sentence. Okay? She went in one moment, she went from a beautiful bride to be to, forgive my crudeness, a skinky slut. Really. In, in one moment. Her whole reputation changed, especially in that day when she's like, wait a second here. Now she's an unmarried woman who's pregnant. She says it's God's. What are her parents going to think? What is her fiancé going to think? What are the women in her book club going to think? What are her bridesmaids going to think? Everything about her instantly changed. And so with her, everything she thought was possible, the highest hope and dream of having that beautiful house and, 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 a, and a house, uh, going to church and, and, and being just an uh, upstanding woman in, in the community and volunteering at the school and having this wonderful reputation, all of that, rub, just rubble, gone. And now she's standing and she's looking at it and, and the angel tells her about God's impossible proposal. Read on with me. The angel says, verse 30, Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, How can this happen? I'm a virgin. 
The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be will be born, excuse me, so the baby to be born will be holy and will be, he will be called the Son of God. What's more, that your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pause to think about this for just a second because what I see here is the first of three, three parts of this supernatural response. We have Mary here, okay? Everything she thought was possible, everything she had hoped for is crumbled, laying at her feet, and God speaks to her through the angel and tells her, you are going to be the Messiah's mother. And so naturally, Anybody in her situation, whether it be my friend Debbie or myself or in this case Mary, naturally, people, we respond to this sort of thing with pride. That is usually the very first thing that comes because we look and we say, wait a second, I had my plans. I had everything I wanted laid out and it's going to happen this way, A, then B, then C, and then, you know, I'm going to go, uh, go to college, get married, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, I'm going to get a good, good job, I'm going to move here because it's warm, I'm going to do these things. And yet, when God comes, especially when we're asking Him to do something amazing in our life, and He crushes everything we thought was possible, and we're standing here and deciding whether we should follow Him or go back, naturally we feel pride. We say, Look, God, wait a sec, why don't you just hold your horses here? I want to, let me build my life my way. I, I know what's best. I, I know how to build my life. So why don't you just back off a little bit? Have you ever told God to kind of back off? Have you ever said, God, just wait a second. You don't, you've prayed for something and now he's answering it. And you're like, whoa, wait, I wish I didn't pray for that. Because now God's actually moving in my life. And, and you're kind of like, God, just, just wait a minute. Naturally, that's the first thing. No, God, I will build my life my way. And yet we see here, Mary, does she respond with pride? Look back at verse 38. Read that with me again. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. And so what I learned from this is that Mary's supernatural response is humility. And humility leads to honor. The Bible teaches us that in Proverbs that humility comes before honor. Now, humility is an interesting thing. Um, I, Ted Turner once said, you know, if I had a little bit of humility, I'd, I'd be a perfect man. Isn't that truth? Um, humility is kind of like underwear, believe it or not, because it's essential, and yet if you talk about it or show it, it's indiscreet. True? Uh, St. Augustine, speaking of humility, said, if you, uh, if you want to rise, you must first descend. If you want to build a tower, speaking of a life, that pierces the clouds, then humility must be your foundation. I thought those were some good words. And so we see in Mary's attitude, we see this, this humility. We say, God, we see God, just do with me whatever you want. And for us, just like with Mary, when God puts us in this situation, when we're praying for God to do something amazing with our life, and we're having, 
have that when one eye we're amazed that, that he's talking to us and the other eye we're crying. The very first part of our response has got to be, Lord, whatever you want to do. That five-year plan, crumple it up. God, I'm here. What do you want to do with me? I've been there. I've been there. I've been on that side where I had that plan written out. I just knew what, I thought I knew what God wanted to do with my life. And when he wanted to do something that I didn't have on that paper, I got a little frustrated, a little sad, a little sad mad, if you've ever had that mix of feelings. And yet, crumple it up. What do you want to do with me? I'm here. That's our first response. So not only was Mary willing, but she believed it was going to happen. Keep going. Look here. Uh, let's finish, start with verse 38 and move on. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt, leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you. Say blessed. God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed. Say believed with me. Believed. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So not only was she willing, not only did she respond with humility, but she responded with belief. And see, our natural response is, God, no way, I'm going to build my life my way. And not only that, but I don't believe that what you are proposing can actually happen. It's, it's beyond what I can even fathom, and therefore I don't believe it. Or I don't believe it because I don't see it. And so we see here that Mary was blessed because she believed. And that teaches me this. It teaches me that blessing comes, make sure I'm saying this right, belief comes before blessing. There we go. Belief comes before blessings. You know, there's a lot of people, they want the benefits of an impossible life, but they don't want to live an impossible life. They want the benefits of standing up here and living this amazing life, a life that they could not build for themselves, going places and doing things, things that they never thought was possible, things that weren't in their five-year plan. They want all the benefits of that, but they don't want to actually make the climb. They want to stand down here and reap that. And yet we see in Mary's case that belief comes before blessing. You know, bless, uh, belief is uh, an interesting thing. It reminds me of a story. There was this little girl, and uh, she was listening to a lesson from her teacher, and her teacher was teaching, talking about whales, okay? And she was saying, yeah, whales are just humongous animals. They're, they're enormous creatures, the, the largest man, mammals in, in the animal kingdom. And, um, but they're, even though they're so big, their throats are really small, so there's, there's no way that they could swallow a man. There's just no way. And the little girl sitting there, she's listening. She goes, well, wait a second. The Bible teaches that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. So what about that? She said, well, honey, 
you know, that just, that's just a fable. That can't be true because the whale's throat is too small. Man could never fit down there. And she says, well, I don't know. You know, I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah about this. And the teacher says, well, honey, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? What if he went to hell? To that, the little girl looks at the teacher and says, well, why don't you ask him then? <laughs> so I thought that was cute. Just kind of illustrates the importance of belief, okay? And belief comes before blessings. And so we see Mary believing that what God said he would do with her life would actually occur. And as a result, she reaped the benefits, the blessings of that wonderful, impossible proposal that God made. Let's look at the third part here. Continue on with me. Uh, I'm in verse 46. So to that, Mary responded with praise. She says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he, and he has done great things for me. Well, this, I, I look at this and I... I the insight that I distill from Mary's praise is that praise precedes peace. See, Mary's down here and she hasn't even started climbing that far and yet she's already praising God as if she's on top of the mountain, as if she's already looking back on this impossible life many years later. She's envisioning that and she's praising God before it that her circumstances have actually changed. And I love this because, you know what? When we get into this situation and we have any, God makes this impossible proposal to us, it is mighty tempting to look at it and think, oh, that's going to be rough. No more chit-chat with the book club. No more white picket fence, no more of this, you know, uh, beautiful wedding, no more of all the good things I was thinking were going to happen. This is speaking of Mary. And yet, she's praising God. She's praising God as, as if all that was changed. And I see in this, I see, I, it, what this teaches me is that praise produces peace. I don't know if I have that in your notes somewhere, but you need to write that down. Praise produces peace. When Mary started praising God, things started to change. Why do things change when we start to praise God? When we start to praise God, His presence, the Bible teaches us, fills our praise. And I want you to know that nothing changes someone's heart. Nothing changes our circumstances like God's presence. God, when God steps into a situation, things have to change. They have to change. They can't stay the same. Think about the earth. In Genesis 1.1, it was without form and void, but we read the Holy Spirit was swooping down over the waters and God starts to speak a word. God's presence steps into the situation and life comes. It has to. It has to come. And the same is true for your situation. You might 
look at the impossible thing that God proposes to you, the things that God wants to do with your life, and your life is filled with uncertainty, and you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how you're going to get there. You don't know how it's going to get done. You don't know how people are going to respond to you or what they're going to think of you. You just know you need to go. You just know you need to follow the Lord. And I'll tell you, when you start making that climb, things get tough. It's mighty tempting to go back down. I'm sure there were times when Mary thought, man, this is, this is hard, when people are making fun of her. I mean, think about it. Years later, they're even making fun of Jesus when the Pharisees said to him, oh yeah, we know who our father is, but who, who's your father? Remember that in scripture? They're still bringing it up 30 years later. Oh yeah, who's your dad? And that was as much insult to, to Mary as it was to Jesus. And yet she kept praising God She kept praising God, and as she praised God, his presence came in. His presence came in, and wherever God's presence is, there is peace. There is peace. Fear, all that doubt, all that uncertainty, it's like a light pushing back the darkness. You don't tell the darkness to get pushed back, it just does. And the same thing is with God's presence. How many of you know I'm talking about today? When you praise the Lord, his peace comes and fills your heart. And it doesn't matter so much anymore what people say. You just know that he's with you and he's moving you forward. This reminds me of a story of a Christian man, young man, just out walking. Car, a van pulls up. Guy gets out, puts a gun on him, ties him up, puts him in the back of of the van. Kidnaps him. Just walking. Man's just, what do I do? You know, I can't call anybody. His hand's tied behind his back, sitting back there. Guy's telling him to be quiet. The only thing this Christian man could think of was to just start singing. And you know what to sing? So he sang the very first praise song that came to his mind. And he sang it for hours, over and over and over, and the kidnapper is leaning back and just spewing profanities and making all sorts of threats against him, and the guy just keeps singing and singing, you are going to have to kill me, he says, to get me to be quiet. And finally, after hours of driving around and the man singing praises, the kidnapper had had enough. Enough! He puts that van in park, gets out, comes around, opens the sliding door, takes the man and throws him on the sidewalk, slams the door and gets in and drives away. (laughs) Praise is powerful. It reminds me, it reminds me of Paul and Silas in the jail. How many of you know that story? Locked up, chained up, an impossible situation. And the natural tendency would be to start moping. They start praising instead. And God literally steps into their circumstances and shakes it. And shakes it. And you're looking at your impossible situation, whether, whatever it might be. Maybe it's even like a loved one that doesn't know the Lord, has a hard heart. I want to encourage you, just start praising God. Whatever, no matter what the circumstances look like, start praising the Lord. He will step in to your situation and shake. And shake it and produce results that you and I could never, ever produce. And in the midst of that, give us wonderful, wonderful peace.
Let me show you something here. Let me show you the very last mention of Mary in the Bible. Because she was standing here and she could have gone back like a lot of women naturally would have. She could have hid that baby. She could have given it away. She could have had an abortion. She could have done something. She could have said, God, you are ruining my life. You are ruining my life. And instead, she started praising God. She started marching up. She was humble. She believed what God would say. He would do what he said he could. He started praising her despite not actually having those results. And years later, 33-ish years later, at the top of the mountain, go to Acts with me. We're in the book of Luke. Luke also wrote Acts. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Let me show you Mary. The very last mention of Mary in the Bible. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12. Acts chapter 1, verse 12 says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with who? Mary the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So, the very last mention of Jesus' mom, where is she? She's praying. She's in the upper room with the apostles. I don't see her down moping at the rubble. I don't see her crying about how her son is dead. I don't see her grieving about how everything she thought was possible is crushed. I see her in the upper room praying and probably looking back on this impossible life that God gave her to to be the only one, only woman in all of history to be the Messiah's mother. Just thanking God for every single moment she had with him. And not only was she looking back with gratitude, she was looking forward forward to the time when Jesus would send the Comforter, send the Holy Spirit, and just totally revolutionize everything about her faith in the, in the life of the church. And so Mary is just a, a wonderful, wonderful example for us. Because when we face God's impossible proposals, naturally, we want to respond with pride. We want to respi- respond with unbelief and with blame. And yet Mary teaches us how to move forward in humility, belief, and praise. And when we get to the end of our lives and we look back, we will be just like her. We will look back and go, God, I am so grateful that I did not try to force things. I'm so grateful that I let you build my life your way. I'm so thankful for everything you've done. And that's exactly what was true or what is true in my life looking back now on those impo- God's impossible proposals. And I'm still marching up it. I'm still going up. And I know Debbie, the woman at the beginning of my sermon, she would say exactly the same thing. God, I am so thankful for letting you, that I let you build my life. Thank you, Lord, for working in me. So what about you? Where are you at today? 
And I told you to get a pen out. And in the margins, I just want to encourage you, sketch this out as best you can. Sketch this out. That little shape there. As just a reminder, because you might not be here right now, but I guarantee if you ask God to do something great in your life, you'll be there one day. You'll be there. He'll tear down everything you thought was possible and introduce you to something amazing. And at that moment, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Naturally or supernaturally? Take a look at the uh, bottom of your, your bulletin. I've given you a couple of reflections this week. Just a couple questions for you to consider when you go home. Uh, it's a personal reflection. Number one, when has God asked you to do something and you immediately thought of all the reasons why it wouldn't work. There's that unbelief. How did that situation turn out? Did you follow through or move on? How do you feel about it now? And I've given you a p- potential prayer as well as some helpful scriptures for you to consider. Look at personal reflection number two. What uncertainties are in your life are keeping you awake at night? That's something to think about. How often do you praise God despite the unknowns in your life? Because if you want peace, you better start praising. Praise Him even when, though things haven't changed yet. There's a potential prayer and some scriptures for you to consider. As we close our Bibles and just kind of wrap up with prayer this morning, I told you at the beginning of last week, if there's one thing I want you to never forget, it is this. If we are willing, then God can. If we're willing to let God do something impossible in our life, just like Mary did, then God can and will do it. Would you pray with me this morning? Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, we just come before you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that your plans are not our plans, Lord, but they are better. Lord, your thoughts aren't our thoughts. They're higher. God, and the wonderful things you want to do with us, with this church, with our families, Lord, I know that it is far beyond our highest hope, our highest prayer, the greatest thing that we could ever think God, your, your plans and your thoughts are so much, so much better, so much higher. And so, Lord, we invite you today, if you would just join me personally, if you want God to do something amazing in your life, just lift your hands, no matter how high. Just, say, just begin to pray under your breath, God, do something great in my life. And Lord, when you do, help me to respond supernaturally because it will be hard. It will be hard. Lord, when you do something impossible with our lives, with our families, with, our, with this congregation, it will be hard. It will be hard to watch our dreams die. And yet, Lord, help us to welcome your will in our lives and in this church, just as Mary did. Lord, help us to respond with humility, Lord God, and let you build our lives, our families, our church, this congregation, the way you want to build it, Lord. Lord, when, help us to believe that what you say you will do, you will actually follow through and do just like Mary. Oh God, help us to praise you. 
Help us to praise you even though our circumstances haven't changed. Lord, we just invite your presence. If you're there today, just begin to invite God's presence into your life. Just begin even now. Just begin to praise him. God, I know that you're going to bring that, my loved one to you. I know, Lord, you're going to answer my prayer about my career. Lord, I know that you are going to move in my finances. I praise you ahead of time that every need will be met. Lord, I begin to praise you right now for the meeting of the needs that will occur. Lord God, you are going to address every single need in this congregation. I thank you for that, Lord. We praise you ahead of time in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your peace. Now, Lord, I pray a blessing upon every person here today. Lord, at this holiday season, we remember the birth of of Jesus, and we're so thankful. And I pray, let the presence of of Emmanuel, the God with us, go with every single person this week, no matter what they're facing. Every crooked place, I pray right now, make it, make it straight. Go before every person in this congregation and lead them in victory, Lord God. Lead them in victory, God. I pray for a smooth week right now, ahead of time. May every obstacle be removed, every mountain, every discouragement, every spirit of fear that would come against them this week. We pray against it in Jesus' name, for you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So I pray today, let the soundness of mind, the power of God just fill their lives In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Would you give somebody a high five or a hug or handshake today on your way out? Children's ministry, don't remember there's a meeting? Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.